what's up? It's Korean Kuili from San Pablo Burgos in Spain, and you're tuned in to the BBL show. This is Gareth Murray, player coach from the Glasgow Rocks. You're now tuned in to the BBL show. This is Andy Thompson. You're now tuned in to the BBL show. This is Anthony Rowe. And you're now tuned in to the BBL this Show. This is Mike Tuck from the Sheffield Sharks. You're now tuned in to the BBL Show. Yo, 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 what's going on? It's Kofi Josephs, and you're listening to the BBL Show. This is Ashley Hamilton, a.k.a. AGP of the Plymouth Raiders, and you're now tuned in to the BBL Show. And now your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Welcome, welcome to episode 12 of the BBL Show. I'm Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker. It's Sunday night. Mr. Lasker has had a game and got his backside back here to get in the hot seat. Great win today, my friend. Appreciate it, my brother. What's going on? That's how much I love you, man. I literally just pulled up to the house about 15 minutes ago, said what's up to the wife, and I said, I have to sit in a seat. I got to speak to my boy, Jay. Yeah, I, I really don't want to upset Mrs. Lasker, especially with the <laughs> fact that you guys are trying to settle into a new house. I'm sure there is a list you're going to get after this. So I appreciate your friendship and commitment. Sky Sports, let's talk about this. Just around the corner. How are you feeling? You won't be able to hide behind the mic. You are going to be front and center, my friend. How are you feeling? Man, I'm excited, man. No lie. Like, I think out of all the things there is to stress out about, the biggest thing that I'm stressing out about is what am I going to wear? Like, what is my drip going to be like? But no, on a serious note, like, really excited about it on Thursday night. And um, I've been practicing in the shower, so trying to cover my punchlines. But it's a, it's a big moment for British basketball. And hopefully, you know, I got my sky package and everyone else out there has gotten theirs. So uh, let, let's support the movement. Yep, I will certainly be ready. And, you know, of course, if you look at the other guys you've got around you, you've got some characters right there. So I am looking for some fireworks. We're already seeing some little releases on Twitter, etc. It is looking exactly hot. We love it. So um, we are excited for this. It's week five of the BBL season. So closing out the group stages of the cup competition and ready to embrace league play. We have our games of the week, Manchester Giants versus Glasgow Rocks. We also review the rest of the weekend's cup action. We review our league predictions and voice any regrets. We go big with our guest, celebrating Team GB with the presence of star Miles Hessen. We really appreciate his time. And we hear the Alaska look back, player of the week. And you know what's first. Throw it up, Drew. I got you, Ali Hoop. Take it home, baby. It's the Marriott Minute. Okay, so the segment I use to review anything and everything I'm seeing on the socials that have intrigued me, engaged me, or amused me. So, intrigued me. Mixed feelings on socials around rules. Traveling, other types of rules. Interesting to see players want to see an interpretation on the rules that leads to game flow. For me, a trend in this league is if we tend to get one bad travel call or one bad moving screen, it tends to become a focus for the referees and gets called a lot more, in my opinion, hence ruining the flow of the game. So is it a minute focus or is it a big deal? I think I will leave that up to you, the listeners. So let's keep the conversation going. 
engage me. Okay, actually, Hamilton got some behind-the-scenes footage at the GB camp, filming the one-on-one -on -one battle between Cam, Hildreth, and our very own guest here at the show, Kareem Queeley. We were literally watching the future right there. Did you see that one, Drew? I did. That was that was a uh, very intriguing. I watched every single dribble, but I'll let you fans decide who won. Lots of hype in the background as well. So as you can imagine, when you got two up and coming youngsters, pretty cool. Um, and finally, amused me, young Marcel Abbott on Twitter, getting very excited about his Manchester Giants start to the season. Writing, don't expect a single W when you come to play the Giants. We are the best team in the league. Who the bleep are London? Bless him. Think he got a little bit overexcited, but let's give the young fella some slack because there are some good times coming in Manchester for him. That wraps up this week's Marriott Minutes. Change, Drew Lasker. Early change, in fact, for these teams. Let's have a quick recap of players in and players out. So we have McCall Jr. in for Mitchell at Cheshire. Hensley in for McKnight at Sheffield. Parker in for Bristol at London. Fraser replaces the injured Walker at Leicester. And Richard replaces Hassan at Surrey. Anything jumping out to you? This is all in one week? So Parker came in two weeks ago, but uh, everything else is pretty much happening and, uh, and flowing this week. So Jeez. what are you seeing? What's standing out to you? Well, the biggest thing that stands out to me is, firstly, this is the new era of the BBL. I remember there was a time in the BBL where coaches were really reluctant to make changes because there's a lot of thing that goes into making changes, a big financial commitment, airplane tickets, you know, visas you have to pay for. So a lot of times coaches would just, you know, just for economical reasons would be slow to make those changes. But the biggest thing that stand out to me, and we talked about this with Dan Rutledge, is the cup competition being at the beginning of the season gives teams an opportunity to view their rosters. And a lot of teams have been able to see what they got. And so moving forward to the championship next week, hence why this week is very busy, you know, teams is making changes. They're preparing for the long run. And the biggest one that stands out to me out of all those changes is probably the McKnight one. Just because, you know, he's been there for a while, you sub out a veteran for a rookie. But on the other hand, it doesn't surprise me because when I look at him and Callum Jones, you got two point guards that don't really score. In today's era, like, you got to have a point guard that can score the basketball. Like, the game has just changed from that position. And so, um, you know, with Callum being British, you're not going to really get rid of him. So they bring in a dynamic guard so it's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in i mean i listened to atiba's interview and he basically just talked about what we've been talking about here on this show mm -hmm. is that yeah. they lack scoring and you know they've been able to gauge themselves against the quote-unquote best teams in the league the london's the newcastle and the leicesters and i think in the long run it's going to be a blessing in disguise for sheffield because they were able to gauge themselves and see what they need for the long haul yeah, for sure. I've kind of got three points. So to follow up on the Sheffield one, hey, look, it's great for us in the seats that we're in that you've got, you know, Coach Lyons coming out 
and given his reasons. You know, so whether you agree or disagree, you have to respect the honesty. He was straight up about it. He didn't dance around things, didn't mix his words. For me, you know, I found it a little bit odd, but then as time kind of went by, I agree with you. You know, you've got Callum Jones there. You're trying to develop a young point guard behind him in Campbell. You know, why not take a shot if a big player comes across your uh, your reaches? And, and by most standards that I've been reading, you know, Hemsley looked pretty exciting guard. Leicester, you know, we, we've said it already, just you know, absolutely gutted for Walker. You know, a second season of the same injury, just horrific bad luck in that situation. In comes Ali Fraser. And I think one thing that stuck out to me, great signing, by the way. I think he's a great, great signing. Yeah, um, similar to Henry, you're going to get a like-for-like like in those substitutions, comfortable in the post. They like to start. That's where they like to start being aggressive is going down low. He's going to find those shooters. Johnson, Jackson especially. I like it. I think it's a great signing. But for me, it's just a little bit frustrated that I'm seeing so many talented Scottish players around the league. And I think to myself, come on, Rocks. Pick them up, bring them back home, get them in there. You know, and I realized that, you know, I'm not in charge of the finances. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, Ali Fraser, one of those guys, Skylar White, Scottish passport. Kyle Jimenez playing in Division One, but in the riders' setup. Mike Vigor just probably backing down under, getting a couple of barbecues under his belt. Come on, bring these guys in with Gareth Murray, with Johnny Bunyan. You know, forget you young French kids. I know they probably cost a little bit, a little bit less. These Scottish fellas in there. That's my only thought on that situation. And then the Hassan Surrey situation, you know, I've been sitting on it for a little bit. It just feels a little bit weird. It feels like a little bit of a respect thing. So maybe it was a two-way thing. Richards came up. They want to respect, a, you know, arguably a... A legend of the league, you know, has served really, really well in the BBL. Doesn't want any bad publicity. Both people go their separate ways and probably what will be best for both teams. So, um, you know, I just thought that just, I don't know. There's just something there I didn't... A little PC with those interviews, if I must say. Yeah, it sounded yeah. A little bit too, just, it sounded you know, too perfect, too script for me. He just made it seem lovely, didn't he? Yeah. He just made it seem lovely. <laughs> It's going to work out. I, I know Richards didn't necessarily have the impact down at, at, at Plymouth that people expected him to, but there's something about just kind of going home. He, he just seems to, to love Surrey, and it's, it, it's going to be for a season now as well, so he can kind of bed in. So I think, um, you know, definitely a positive for Creon. Okay, games of the week. This is a game in this particular group we have been waiting for. A true test for both teams, Giants versus Rocks, then Rocks versus Giants, splitting the winnings down the middle. All right, guys, we take you down to Glasgow where we got post-game interviews with Coach Byrne and Coach Murray. How did you feel that win today? I think, personally, you guys performed defensively like you were talking about early in the week. The guys were much stronger today. Yeah, there was, there was big improvements from Friday night. Obviously, Friday night, uh, Manchester played solid. We weren't, we weren't ready for that. Uh, the two previous Cheshire games, the level wasn't there either. And then Friday night, it, it was... Uh, it was a bit more of an exclamation mark for, for Manchester. They, they wanted to come out and show their dominance and how well they recruited over the summertime, and we weren't ready for it. Um, I think, we, I think our, our energy and our fight um, today at home was, was much improved. We've still got big steps to go, um, 
but I think it was a much more improved performance and we, we started to listen to the things that I was asking them to do. It's all about the regime that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, I mean, this league is a crazy league. Um, it's a lot of up and down, it's fast paced, a lot of Americans. It's, uh, we, we try to share the ball quite a lot. We don't like to play one on one. We don't really yeah. have those style of players. So we, we need to play team basketball. And that's what I'm trying to install in these guys move the ball, make the ball work. And we got to play team defense. We've got to be more physical. And we got to play team defense rather than just, just we got to lock up our man, but we got to play team defense. It's all about stopping that ball. The ball movement was much better from the boys as well today. I think we've been working on that as well. Yeah, we, we worked on it last week and Friday didn't really show that. Yeah. So, but uh, we talked through it again. Um, after the game on Friday and we talked about it again in, in pre-game and again at halftime about how, what we were looking for and how, what the defence was doing and where we were going to find our shots we had that lapse in the fourth quarter there where they didn't listen to my timeout yeah. I didn't want to take another timeout I let them try to fight through it eventually they got to where they needed to be and we uh, started making shots and getting the looks we were looking for um, but more importantly it was our defence tonight but they're, they're a tough team they're a tough team they've got some good, they've got some good quality players um, and like you say it's in the beginning of their season as well so they, they got, they're going to get steps forward but it's about everybody now trying to progress. You know, it's like the team are looking so much better now. I don't say I think you guys should be proud of how hard you fought in the first especially the first half was fantastic from the boys honestly. Yeah, yeah it was it was much improved like I said but we we're not we're not happy yet. We're not happy yet. not happy yet. Proud and never satisfied. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you think today went? Uh, not good for us. <laughs> uh, obviously good for, for the Rocks. Yeah. Um, yeah a bit of a reality wake up call for us today. Uh, we started off the season really strong. I think we came down here a bit too relaxed if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, and we just didn't have a great day shooting either. Again, I think it was just a flip of the game from yeah, Friday. Quite uh, again, we just have to you know learn from this, and we will learn from this. Uh, it's a long season. No, of course, so, it's uh, just the beginning. Yeah, and maybe we needed this to give us a bit of a wake-up call. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll be you know more ready for when the, the season. No, of course. I think it was properly. a reverse for us. Obviously, you guys yeah. were very dominant yeah. in your new home court. So yeah. I think this was a big deal for us anyway. It was yeah. a case of like, how do we respond to this? Sure, sure. But uh, and you know we had we had some key guys in foul trouble. We had no, one guy course. injured as well, yeah. Uh, yeah. so we didn't play so the second half at all. So that really hurt us. Uh, we managed to pull it back to maybe within two points, but you know we just couldn't get over that hump. Yeah. So it was just a bit difficult uh, for us to keep fighting with uh, you know guys in foul trouble as well. So it just wasn't our day today. Yeah. Of course, when you get when it gets to that point, obviously the guys that play the hardest, who yeah. racked up the fouls, can't really yeah. give that same yeah. level just yeah. in case. But yeah, that's it. You know, it was a, it was a tough, intense oh, game as the first absolutely. one was. Uh, unfortunately, we just you know gave away too many fouls, yeah. a few too many, and uh, you know it weakened us as well on the defense, unfortunately. And again, a lot of balls just didn't drop for us, did for you guys. And it, like I said, it was the flip on Friday. Yeah, of so uh, so yeah, it's a long season. I think we see you guys again no, next I hope Sunday. We do. I think the intensity so, uh, for both teams is great yeah, here. Yeah, it's a definitely. nice matchup. Yeah, looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely. Congratulations on today, anyway. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. This one is weird for me. Um, obviously, in, in game one, they went 95-68, and I'm there thinking, okay, is Manchester for real, or is Glasgow going to be at the bottom of the pile like I predicted in the preseason predictions? And then obviously we fast forward to tonight, Sunday night. I'm shocked as I'm on the bus coming back from Sheffield. I see Glasgow win 83-73. And immediately I'm like, should we pull out the coach of the year ballots? Because this is a huge victory for Coach Murray. This is not about X's and O's, guys. This is more about the culture that he's establishing down there. If you get your butt spanked by 40 and you're able to turn that around in two days, like, Gareth is off to a great start there. Like, like we, we need to keep an eye down there because that's something that we can't ignore. 
I, I worry that, you know, we all kind of been on the Manchester train. And as you read that tweet earlier, I must have missed that tweet. I didn't see that because I definitely would have uh, <laughs> responded to that. Like, calm down, fella. But, <laughs> but maybe there will be some fool's gold for Manchester coming out of that group. Because, you know, when you win so comfortably like they have, every game has been a blowout. And now you're in a game where you need to execute well, you don't have that experience, you know, and you don't really get an opportunity to see what you really have. Because one thing that I can tell you, you see a lot in this league is there's a lot of front running teams when they're up big and they're winning and things are great. Everyone's yee-haw-hoo. But when things get tough, that's when you find out what kind of team you really have. So when I think of a team like Sheffield, who got thrown to the dogs in the group of death, which you coined, by the way. I give you credit for that, Jay. You should have trademarked that because uh, everybody's been using that. Everyone. Group. Everybody's been using that group of death, that slogan. <laughs> so shout out to you, Jay. <laughs> but um, and, and Sheffield realized right away, like, we got to get some scoring if we want to keep up with these teams. And they made the changes. And so that's my worry with Manchester. And, you know, I look at this, uh, you know, the first game, you know, they had three guys in double figures scoring 20-plus. And then I look at game two, and they got three of their guys that foul out, three starters, and including Brady, who fouled out in 11 minutes. So I come out of this by saying I don't really know what Manchester is. Yeah, um, I think for me, the, the only thing to add about Manchester, something that worries me is temperament. I saw it in the first game, but winning – covers a multitude of sins you know so you saw a little bit of a little bit of chippiness a little bit of silliness at times and like you said people just getting way too high and then you come into this game and I've got to follow this up exactly like you just said coach Murray great job this is a coach that went back he watched the tape he figured a few things out they made a couple of different adjustments, but the reaction, this is where I'm following Coach Murray closely. The reaction from the players was defensive pressure went up. They were more aggressive offensively. They executed better. And my worry from Manchester was they came out swinging and they fell like Nate Robinson. <laughs> So they, I mean, well, they, they felt like Nate Robinson. They still sleep then, right? They sleep on that bus ride back to Manchester. But they still, hey, listen, they still had a chance to win this game. And this is what really hurts me because I'm going to talk about him later on as well. Is Breon Brady was bringing them back into that game, picks up a foul, opens his mouth, gets a tech, he's out. And, you know, you could argue that there was a little bit of wind going in those sails but they sure did puff out real quick when that happened. So um, it wasn't all doom and gloom for Manchester, but the reaction of the players for the Glasgow Rocks, you've got to clap that in. Let's have a little look at the micro, and I will lead on two things I'm looking at in the micro. So field goal, game one for the Rocks, 19 of 62 from the field, okay? They turned that around game two, 28 of 54. So less shots per possession, but just being a lot more cleaner in their offensive execution. Also, game one, seven total assists. Wow. 
Pounded around 19 assists in game two. So I said it when I tweeted before the game started that it would take a dramatic turnaround for the Rocks to walk out of there with a W. And guess what? Did they turn it around? Yes, they did. And you talk about the temperament on the Manchester Giants side. And the one thing that stands out to me as you as you went on your little soliloquy is that um, as I look down their roster, the one thing that they lack is veteran leadership. You know, although Cassell is a veteran in age, but is he really a veteran in experience? I don't think he's been a pro that long. And up and down that roster, they're pretty young. And, you know, I, I guess their only veteran per se is Whelan. Yeah, Willen. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Will- in terms yeah. of league experience, yeah. Yeah, yeah the only you. one that – and he isn't really that experienced. So that's going to be something you want we want to pay attention to down the line. And you talk about temperament. If they don't know – you know, in this game, you got to stay even kill. You can't get too high and can't too, get too low. And that's going to be really tested when they face teams like Plymouth and London and Leicester, when they hit that adversity – what will the reaction be then? But as I kind of look into the numbers from Manchester, you know, the three-point line is what kind of done the man tonight. And that's been something that's been working for them so far this year. They were four for 22, so they struggled tonight. And I look at the turnovers. In game one, they had 10 turnovers. And tonight, they had 18. So that means eight less possessions. And then the biggest stat that stand out for me is Sam Cassell Jr., he was three for 10 tonight. He was five for 19 in game one, even though they won. And in the last two games, he's shooting an eight for 29, which is 27%. So that worries me a little bit. And, you know, I'm going to keep a close eye on that because that reminds me of how Justin Robinson was struggling. And in this league, if you're, you go as far as your point guards, when Justin Robinson was scoring, guess what? The London Lions were struggling. Cassell Jr., he struggled tonight again, and, you know, they lost. So he's going to be a big part of what those guys do throughout the season, and he's going to have to play a little bit better than that. When you have games like that, you got to get to the free throw line. You got to get to the basket and get some easy buckets. I notice mm-hmm. he has – he plays like his dad. I mean, he shoots that little, you know, that little fadeaway. He likes to get to those elbow spots. But when you're struggling, you got to get some easy looks. So – all in all, you know, those are the stats that kind of stuck, stuck out to me. But um, shout out to Glasgow. Huge, huge victory for Coach Murray and the Glasgow Rocks. Yeah, good reply. And I think just to follow up on Sam Cassell Jr., you're right. You could tell in our interview with Jamie Edwards how high he was on him and, and how much, you know, he was talking about wanting these guys to stay, you know, be a part of the Manchester culture, not just be one and done. But for me, it would be a little bit controversial looks a little out of shape and I and I think that that's what it is and I think that once he perhaps gets a little sharper gets some of that weight off a little bit gets his step back a little bit more I think that then you will start to see him not relying on on relying on the unreliable if you like you know so there was a lot of kind of dribble dribble step back fade away threes etc etc and that can be working for you when you're in your flow and not working for you when you're not and like you said you've got to go and find other ways to affect that game when those big exciting social media plays are not necessarily working for you so it'd be interesting to see where they kind of go Okay, let's get into the the reviews of the rest of the games over the weekend. Uh, If I give you the scores, 
So we had Worcester versus Plymouth. Very low scoring affair, 57-59. Raiders walking out of the building with a win. Surrey versus Worcester, 76-72. The Scorchers finally get a real win under their belt. So that's going to be a great thing for them. For yourselves, Sheffield versus Newcastle, 77-90 to your Eagles. Anything that you kind of picked up from those games? Any big performers? You know, I'll start off. I want to focus on the Surrey game, but I'll start off touching on that Worcester-Plymouth game. And from a viewing standpoint, it was not an attractive game to watch. I felt like I was taken back to the 1990s watching the Bulls versus the Knicks where they were dumping it down low, NBA doing his thing down low, and then we come back on the other end and Plymouth the dumping it back down low on their side. and Down to the Prince. You know, I mean, I, I kind of like this new age style basketball where we get a lot of movement and a lot of cutting and a lot of dribble handoff and a lot of running gun. And so, yeah, it was an ugly game. But as I focus on Worcester and Surrey, which a game in which Worcester controlled the entire game, I come out of this game really, really concerned about the Scorchers. And, you know, I've expressed my concern about them the last couple of weeks. And I don't think you and I are alone as, and you talked about this with Atiba in his interview. One thing that I can appreciate this year with coaches is that they're becoming so much more open yeah, in these post-game kind of. interviews. It's great. I mean, this is what we want from a fan perspective. Like, we want you to give us the realness. And Creon gave us the realness. And for you listeners out there, I'll give you two perspectives, right? So Surrey wins this game. They get their first win. From a player's perspective, they look at everything from a macro standpoint. They look at wins and losses, and they look at their own personal stats. So Surrey comes out this game, and they're like, yes, we got our first win. We won. Okay, this can be the turning point of our season. But for a coach like Creon and for analysts like you and I, Jay, we look at things a little bit deeper. This is why it's important to watch the games and, and not just follow box scores because this wasn't a great win for Surrey because, number one, Worcester was missing their best player so far this season, Jordan Williams, and then they lose their young fella early in the game to an ankle injury. So I'm looking at the game, and there was a point in the game where Worcester Wolves had a lineup that I was like, no offense to these guys that if they run this lineup against the London Lions, against the Newcastle Eagles, against the Plymouth Raiders, they're not going to survive more than 30 seconds. And Surrey really struggled with that lineup. And so, uh, you know, Creon said it in his postgame presser, like they are not playing up to their potential. And so one thing that I'm going to keep an eye on is they have one, you know, Hassan leaving opens up a roster spot. So what does Creon do with that roster spot? And I think they got everything that they need. I think it's important that they fill in that last spot with a pure point guard, maybe even a McKnight, because even though McKnight didn't fit the Sheffield Sharks because Sheffield needed points, so they needed a more scoring point guard. On the flip side, Surrey actually needs a floor general because they got too many scores, so they need someone that can feed the guys, keep everyone happy, and distribute evenly amongst all those scores they have. So I think he would fit that team perfectly. And uh, last point on that game is that I kept talking about how they need role players. And Evan, 
uh, is his last name Walsh? Is it Evan Walsh? Evan Walsh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan Walsh, and what you t- tweeted was fantastic. Playing a role, which every team, you got to have role players. And I'll even give a shout-out to Martel McLemore. You can see his intent. I mean, he came off the bench with energy. I even seen him top-locking on defense, and defense has never been his M.O., but he – it was like he understands that they need something else, and he was really trying to bring that. So mm-hmm. I tweeted this as well. I think that's a role that Martel should really embrace, being that sixth man off the bench, that energy spark plug, that game changer, that can do the little things which this team lacks. And if he does that, you know, I think Surrey will be okay. But this is going to take some time. This is not going to be an overnight job for Surrey. But now I'm really concerned because guess who they face next week to open up the championship? The Leicester Riders. So, uh, you know, it doesn't get any easier out here. (laughs) Snap. Absolutely. I think just a couple things that I picked up on. I think if you, if we talk about Worcester, arguably they could have gone 2-0 this weekend. And I think that that's really, really tough on them because they lost Williams halfway through that Plymouth game, yet arguably could have won it. Mm -hmm. And then... The Surrey game is the same, you know, how were they in that game? So you have to credit the coaching, you have to credit the veterans, you know, so whilst Boutnek is is still quite young, he got the experience of last year and the experience of winning last year. And you can tell he is, he's what you call a floor general. NBA, I gave him a little bit of a hard time last week. This week, he really had to put the team on his back. So I know that he was he was speaking to me through socials and he was saying, look, this is Williams and Boutnick's team. That really impressed me, respect to him. And I know that he's been saying, like, week by week, he's going to start feeling a little bit better, getting in a little bit better shape. And this weekend, he got thrown right in the fire. They didn't have time to wait for him to find his rhythm or anything else like that. He had to straight become the man, and he did that. So I feel for those guys because they're 0-2 right now and so easily could have been 2-0. Sorry, yeah, I agree with you. Like, love the candor of Coach Creon. Like, that just shows me that he, he's in a realistic place. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's not brought in by the fool's gold. For me, Skylar White is, is struggling right now. He, he's in a tough place. But he will come good. I'm not too worried about that. but. Um, I think speaking about him, one of the things that concerned me in the game is they don't tend to go with what's going good. So they got a really good matchup with Skyler, put the ball into the post. He had a feel-good factor, nice little move, got a finish. Guess what? Did they go back there? No, it was whose turn is it next? Lavelle, who's up? Who's ready to go? I agree with you about Macklemore. I think he's at a point in his career where he could do with the Drew Lasker mindset, you know, so you said it last week and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that in your game against Sheffield, but you specifically know what you're trying to do in terms of to affect that game. He perhaps needs to embrace that. He will have those breakout games where he's a scorer. He has natural instinct. He's going to have those games, but I think by focusing on the other areas is going to allow the team to get better. And, you have to give a big shout out to Evan Walsh. You know, I loved his energy. I think that that is what got them over the line. He came in and gave them the controlled energy that they needed to get over the line. So he was hitting shots. He was playing defense. He wore Bountnet down. He pressed him full court. 
bumping him, getting in his face, doing whatever it took, getting his little hand on little bits and pieces, getting rebounds. He, he deserves a lot of credit himself. Little focus on Plymouth, obviously, without Hamilton. But you're taking away quite a bit of firepower from that particular team. Porter Bunton actually came good with a double-double. Prince eBay is still concerning me a little bit. He's very, very raw. And I think they want to use him as a post-up guy. And it's, it's really, really interesting for me. We, we spoke about it off-air. I think he need, either needs to be picking and rolling, you know, breaking those lanes real quick, or he needs to be getting his feet on the baseline and waiting for those assists to come. We'll probably see that a little bit more, I think, when Lawrence comes in, because Lawrence yeah. has that pick and roll beautifully. He will get the depth that's needed. I think Ducha, what Ducha does a great job of is he keeps the team in flow, but he's not necessarily going to be that guy that's trying to penetrate and get that depth and, and make teams think about him a ton. So those are really the points for me. I think the Sheffield-Newcastle game, will this be a good change for them? I'm, I'm not sure, but I was quite impressed by their fight and their battle. And I think in the fourth, they had an opportunity to maybe go, give you guys the sweats, but they just didn't hit the shot. And the, the Fletcher Cortez factor was major in that game. They just turned the heat up when, it, when they needed to and, and turned it around. Getting to the end of these games, obviously, there's, uh, you've caught me right back up in the prediction. So I believe it is now 12 to yourself and 13 to me. I didn't take any, I took a couple of risks, but, but I knew that you couldn't catch me. So I was, I was okay with it. I'm relaxed. We've got the cup quarterfinals kind of laid out. I want to get your thoughts a little bit. The one that jumped out to me is Plymouth Raiders win the group. And what are you rewarded with? The London Lions. Good luck with that. <laughs> At least it's a home game, though. At least it's a home game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you would be sitting there thinking, wow, okay. And then the other ones to play out, you've got Manchester versus Surrey. Similar teams, I feel. I, th I think they're quite, they're quite similar in the way that they look. So that would be interesting for those two to get tested right there. And then you've got yourselves or Leicester playing Worcester or Bristol. And then yourselves or Leicester playing Glasgow. So that's still to play out. I think either way, Worcester, Bristol or Glasgow, uh, you know, just tough games coming up for them in that quarterfinal. They, they would have to do something of, of brilliance to really pull that in. So what are your thoughts when you're looking at that, especially when you, you, you're thinking about the Eagles matchup? Yeah, I think if, uh, th if Leicester beats Sheffield next week, I believe we host Glasgow, which the best thing is, it's not even about the opponent, it's about that we get the home draw. Mm -hmm. uh, because the last thing we wanted to do is to travel all the way down to Plymouth. So that's a win in itself. And with this group, like it, it shouldn't matter who we face, like a, a, a home quarterfinal game, we should be pretty confident that we can advance. Interesting point about Surrey and Manchester, because I remember earlier in the season, you mentioned about the way the cup is constructed, that maybe a team will make it to the semifinals that might not quite deserve it. Um, so it'll be interesting because I feel like, you know, with Surrey struggles and Manchester's fool's gold, it'll be interesting to see who come out of that. But at the end of the day, like, it's a clean slate for everybody, even Surrey. So what you've done before really doesn't matter anymore. And then, but, but like you said, like that Plymouth-London 
everybody to keep their eyes on that. And that's going to be a real juicy matchup. I hope Lawrence is uh, be healthy by then because I want to be able to see a fair fight. Mm. And like you say, Plymouth do all that hard work to draw uh, arguably the best team in the league. So, you know, sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles. You've got to go through those teams anyway at some point. So yeah, that, exactly. that, that would be my attitude in that situation. And I think with the Surrey situation, you'd probably rather be having these struggles and have a great quarterfinal draw than be Sheffield and be out. You know, so yeah, like yeah, it's, exactly. um, you know, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's very interesting matchups. Be interesting to see Bristol have been given a little bit of daylight with these, with these situations with Worcester. So they've been given an opportunity. I think they've got to beat Worcester by six. So more than you could see that happening, you know, that's more than manageable for those guys. So, um, yeah, things are hotting up. And obviously it's the first bit of silverware to get in the cabinet. And um, it seems like all the big teams are more than happy to go for it. So excited to see what happens there. Okay, Drew, lead us in. It's time for the Alaska Look Back. In today's episode of the Alaska Look Back, I take you back to February 24th, 2020, as we celebrate tonight's great Team GB's victory over Montenegro. But on this night was a special affair as the team was led by head coach, local boy, Mark Studel. At the time, he was Northumbria's head coach for the Bucks team, as Nate Rankin was unavailable due to his Cleveland Cavaliers G League commitments. But even though this is my home court, even Drew Lasker had to line up for this affair. And once I entered the arena, the buzz, the atmosphere was like none other, nothing that I had ever seen at the arena thus far, as the crowd was littered with iconic former players, VIP guests, and watched by a global audience. And what a game it was as Team GB got the huge upset over the Germans, capped off by a beautiful Luke Nelson step back. 20 days later, who would have guessed that the world would change forever as we were introduced to COVID-19 and placed on lockdown? And that is our Alaska look back. Great look back, Mr. Lasker, and that leads us into GB time. Two games this weekend, uh, a sad loss, 56-79, tough loss to France, but they bounced back with the win that they needed with a 74-59 win over Montenegro. A couple of statistics from today's game. Ola Seni went off, 28 points, 8 rebounds. Ably assisted by our guest on the pod in episode 12, Hessen. Os Hessen, 15 points. And then followed by Nelson, who you happen to mention in your look back, 13 points, five rebounds and six assists. SO to Kareem Queeley, also our former guest who made his debut. Great job to the young fella. This Sets them up very, very nicely for their final two games, which will be against Germany and France. I got a little quote from Mark Stutel, who said about this weekend's games, this is a really difficult group. And the reality is that in this window, we were always going to be judged 
by this game. So clearly stating to us that they were focused, they weren't going to take too much from that French game. That was always going to be a tough ask, but they knew what they came for on the weekend and they got it. My quick question to you, Drew, is does Coach Stewart put himself in a position now to take this gig on full-time since Nate Rankin right now has some really big things on his plate with his NBA commitments. Yeah, I think this is going to be something that's going to be talked about in the upcoming weeks, months leading up to that, uh, those next two games. But I preface my comments by saying I don't really know the intricacies of, you know, Nate Rankin's uh, situation there with the G League team, but it has to be a little bit difficult with this team. It's unfair on Coach Stoodles. It's unfair on the team with all the uncertainty. And I mean, it only makes sense. You know, Studel's here in the UK. You know, he's a little bit more flexible at the moment. He's, you know, coaching a Division Three team, which the season has been pretty much canceled. And with him winning two out of the four games, I think he deserves a shot. And I just saw an interview there on Twitter by one of the guys who really stood behind Coach Studel's there. So, you know, I mean, why not? You know, I think he's deserved it. He's proven that he can coach at that level. I mean, if Nate can't commit full time or if it's a little hit and missy, then, you know, why not? I think especially for these last two games, I would, I would just say if I was ranking, if I was GB, I would just be like, look, for continuity, we've had a great win right here. Let's just let him finish this out. Let him see it through and then, and then maybe just sit down around the table then. It's got to be difficult to talk on, on uh, Nate Rankin's situation because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure COVID plays a big part in that situation also. So it's a little bit unfair, but I would say probably causes more upset by bringing your head coach back for those last two games than it does maybe just to keep the continuity of the group. Anyway, we caught up with one of the main men, the talisman, for Team GB Saturday afternoon for his thoughts on the French game and then what they needed to do to get back on track and get back on track they did. Let's go over to Miles Hessen. Miles, thanks for joining us on here on the show. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome in, my man. Yeah, appreciate your time. You know, tough loss against France last night having time to digest and debrief, like what, what are your feelings on the game? Yeah, I mean, it was a tough way to start any game that was. Uh, we let them get out to a, a very big lead at the start. I think it shocked a few of us and um, we did our best to regroup at the half and try and make a little push back. But at that point, I think it was a bit too, a too little too late. But there was a lot of things that we, we've learned from that going forward into Sunday's game. I think we're more confident as a team, as a unit. And hopefully that will just help us. Just a quick thing. What do you put it down to in that kind of first half? You know, because a lot of people I saw, like I was following a lot of social media and they were saying, oh, you know, I think they're being a bit soft and a bit tentative and stuff like that. And I said, I think like what it looks like sometimes is you, you come out with an idea in your head and maybe it didn't go that way. And then you guys were left kind of really trying to chase the answer and then you know, the second half kind of turned around. What do you think specifically it was? They just caught you cold? I think there's, well, there's a few of us that haven't been playing recently. I mean, this is our first game for, for a few guys in a few weeks. 
that shown, that shown definitely. I felt that in my legs also. Yeah, like our game plan, we had to switch it up a little bit. Kind of wasn't working for the first few few possessions that we played, so we, we found some adjustments on that. I mean, it's just probably a combination of all that, to be honest. Yeah, most definitely. I That's the, the first thing that crossed my mind watching you guys last night is that I was like, you know, it felt like you guys were out of rhythm. And I understand that, you know, being in this COVID-19, there's some guys playing, there's some guys not. So that plays a huge factor. But for you personally, over the past two international games, you've had some individual struggles there. And which is unusual for you, because obviously you play in Pro A France, which is one of the best leagues in the world, and you're consistent in that league and you kill it there, man. But is it a fair assumption that maybe there's some internal pressure there for you personally wearing that Great Britain across your chest and just wanting to like put on for the country and really, really want to do well? Somewhat. I mean, for me personally, I broke my thumb six weeks ago. And this is like the first week that I've been able to actually practice and play. I think I was just a little bit rusty coming out of the gates and couldn't really find my get any rhythm going. Yeah, I probably do put a little bit too much pressure on myself when I play for the for the country, but pressure's what I've been playing with my, my whole career, so it's nothing to be able to to say that I was too putting too much pressure on myself. That's why I didn't perform. It's just one of those days. Yeah, and I mean, you know, who wouldn't? You know, when you're playing for your country, it's, it is it is a pride thing as well. How have you found this current camp? You know, because obviously there's there's a lot going on. That you know, head coach missing, players unavailable, the dreaded COVID. How have you found a way to quieten the distractions of this particular camp? You know, it's not ideal, but how have you guys kind of found a way around that? Um, I always try and keep my head away from all the uh, the things that aren't basketball, uh, all the politics going on on the outside, and all the other things. As soon as I get on the court and run the court, that's all that matters to me. Uh, whoever's there is whatever counts for the time. So I can't really be dwelling about people not being here, coaches not being here and that type of stuff. We've got two games to play and uh, that's what we got to do. And that's how I keep my focus. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people making a lot of, obviously, coach ranking not being there and stuff like that. But... Um, you know, I think when you come into these international setups, like you said, you've just got to embrace whatever that looks like and, and manage it through. I want to talk a, a little BBL. This is the BBL show after all. I obviously remember you as a debut season with the Essex Pirates in the BBL. So that feels a long, long time ago. And we knew you were a special talent even back then. And um, you know, I remember being with Gavin Love and he would just rave about you all the time. But at what point did you start to feel you could go to the highest level? It's hard to say, really. Because like at the time, I just, I was just playing basketball, trying to get better each day. I didn't really think about when I'd be able to move and take these different steps. But yeah, I just tried to dominate every, every year that I could. I didn't really have a, a long season at Essex because I was injured. But then um, the season after that with Mersey, that's when I really started to to play and I, I felt like I, w- I was good enough to play in this league and um, yeah I just wanted to test my waters test the waters overseas mm. I was lucky enough that I got a chance to go over and work my way up from from basically the bottom For fans that can remember uh, that far back to the Pirates and stuff like that let, let's check out a couple of names that people will recognise from the BBL so 
Jamel Anderson was there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colin Singh. Yeah. Zach Gachette. Zach Tanner Adu came down to Plymouth for a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm missing some guys. Who else am I missing? Uh, Sam Toluasi. Yeah. Testing your brain now. <laughs> <laughs> the whole baby boomers there. I remember those Adrian. times. Adrian. Sturt, was that? Was he there? Yeah. Adrian yeah, Sturt was there. Did you, break, did you break your leg that year there? My ankle. Oh, you broke your ankle. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so put you out for a while. So, what I want to kind of focus on with the BBL as well is we're trying to make these improvements. You've got the Sky Sports deal. You know, we've we just got the BBL player to be able to have a, a package for the games. What do you personally feel that you would need to be provided from the league for you to look to come back? We have fans and listeners here all the time how great Europe is, but many oftentimes people aren't going into the, the devil in the detail. Like what does the French league offer, for example, that the UK doesn't? There's a level of consistency that the BBL, from the top to bottom, that they're working on that is just not there at the moment. I mean, it's, it's getting better. I can't complain. I can't say, I can say that it is getting better. But I mean, like, just the pay, the pay in the BBL is not enough yet, especially for the, for the British guys there. I mean, I, was, I got an offer from the BBL this last season coming up and it was it's half of what I, what I actually earned. I'd love to play back in England, but I can't take half of what I can get elsewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's tough. Uh, and um, there were some consistent teams that were playing in Europe. I don't know, maybe that would be, be another thing that people would come back for, maybe take a little bit of less money if that wasn't there. If they was actually being able to compete in Europe and not just get blown out by these other teams. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of room for growth and hopefully the right people are in the right places now. And uh, hopefully I can see, see it growing, getting better over the years so that we don't have to have so many guys playing overseas and all the fans get to see, get to see the best of the British talent. Because there is some talent within the British players. And for you to talk about that consistency from top to bottom that the BBL lacks, and during your time with the BBL, you actually played for two teams that were at the bottom with Essex, and then you moved on to Mersey where you guys were 10 and 23. I remember playing you guys in the rim on the south side, was bent down, and there was nothing to really cheer about when it came to the Mersey Tigers. But there was one bright spot. I remember you vividly. I remember you being really raw and just kind of dunking everything. And when you reflect back on that time, although, you know, the situation wasn't ideal, do you look at that as like a blessing? Because for you being a young British player, you actually got an opportunity to play meaningful minutes throughout the year, which a lot of young British players don't get that opportunity. So do you, even though there was a losing situation, do you think that experience helped you further along in your career? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Those other options when Essex folded, all of us, well, I think me, Colin, Zach and Jamal, we were all at university at the time. And um, there wasn't really too many other BBR options that we could go to and study at the same time. So I think I was the only one out of the, those guys that made the decision to, to start going to university to take up basketball full time, even though the money wasn't great at all. It wasn't enough to, to say that I play professional basketball and live off. Right. I mean, I, I saw the opportunity to be able to play, like you said, like meaningful minutes. So yeah, I took that risk and it, it paid off for me. 
I wouldn't advise people to not continue their studies and stuff like that. But I mean, it just, it worked for me. That was the situation I was in. Yeah, it, it worked out okay for you. And uh, speaking of development, our guy, Peter Simmons, uh, he shared with me that your commitment to the next generation, um, he talked to me about how you donate some of your time to work with some of these young players and to train them up. Like, what does that mean for you to be able to give some of your time to help this next generation? Uh, it's everything, really, especially during the off-season. Because being overseas so much, you, you see how much these, these kids over here, especially in France and uh, in Germany where I played before, their options are so much more than what we've got back home. I just want to kind of bridge the gap a little bit and um, give the younger guys a, a better chance moving forward. And obviously, if I can help in any way, you know, I'll do that when I can. Hopefully, I can do it a bit more in the next coming years, hopefully. So, so yeah, that's yeah. something I've got to do. I'm sure those guys, you know, that means the world to those guys and it means everything. And it's, you know, stuff that they're an opportunity that they're never going to forget. But even though it's three on three for our listeners out there, the Commonwealth Games is coming to Birmingham 2000. Is it 22? 2022, yeah. Yeah, t- yeah, in t- 2022. What does that mean for you being a local? I don't even know what you call it. What is it, a Bohemian? Or what do you guys call yourself down there? A Brummie. Brummie. Oh, bro- okay. A Brummie. What is that? A Brummie. So yeah, that's a- our next <laughs> clip for next week. We got it. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys, what does that mean for you to be able to have that such a, a showcase in your backyard there in Birmingham? And it's huge. Uh, it's the closest thing to the Olympics that, that we'll probably be able to hold for a while. So, I mean, yeah, it being free on free basketball, that's, that's great. I, I love free on free basketball. I mean, I played in the, in the first world free on free basketball, in fact, and had a great experience there. So hopefully in 2022, um, I, I definitely want to be playing. If not, I'll be I'll be there supporting and watching the games for sure. Yeah, definitely. That that would be amazing. I th- I think just to play in it there would be you know a, a special feeling. So we've got high hopes there for you to be involved. Back to Team GB then. So a yeah, big game tomorrow. What are you going to need specifically to get that W in tomorrow's matchup? Are you worried about the lack of size in this squad, or does that just work to your strength a little bit more in this preparation? I don't think we're worried about about the matchups. Um, we know that they've got two good guards that they played. They played really well last night against Germany. We've got a lot of things to sharpen up in practice later today. And uh, yeah, once we get our game plan down, it's just about sticking to the to the game plan and um, just playing with a bit more freedom. I agree. More confidence, hopefully, through and through, and then. See what happens. Hopefully, we can put all the pieces together and come out with the win. Yeah, you know, kind of for a little behind the scenes after that game yesterday, you know, obviously disappointment. You know, we don't need to talk about that side of things. But did you guys come in and go, you know what, like we've got something, we just need to give ourselves a, you know, kick up the butt and go again? Or were you really, really disappointed and took that loss hard? What was the feeling? Because, like you said, you know, there's a lot of circumstances here. People aren't paying attention to people knocking the rust off, bringing in some new guys and stuff like that. That second half, you know, it looked like you found a bit of rhythm. And if you can take that into the second game. So I was wondering when that game finished, you know, take the disappointment away. Were you guys just thinking, we're hungry, we want to go again? 
yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always it's not a good thing taking a loss like that. I think for me personally, playing in France and playing against most of those guys for the past five years, I took it a bit more personal than maybe someone else might have. Because I know I know better than what what I did yesterday. So, I mean, it's a new day. I'm over it, and we've got a new challenge ahead of us. I think that's how we all feel, and uh, it's just giving us a bit more motivation and more determination to go and get this next game. Yeah, exciting times for sure. We'll be watching. Let's finish with a little bit of fun. So Drew has been devising a, a very clever and intricate game. And by intricate, I mean very simple. Drew, would you like to explain the, uh, the rules of the game and we will get to it? Yeah, it's just a, just a few fun questions for our listeners out there. Just more importantly, to allow them the opportunity to know this current roster here. So uh, we got a speed round here. So we're going to go in. Jay and I just going to rotate the questions. And you just got to give us a name off the current roster. Don't think too hard. We're going in. Biggest eater. Gabe okay, Robinson. Best dancer. Uh, Tariq Phillip. Most talented. Uh, Cam Hildreth and Kareem Crilly. They're both the special young talents for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Who got the freshest kick? Who got the freshest kick game, man? Probably Kareem. That, that night, I think he got night deals, so he's, he's laid out nice. That always helps. Yeah. And so, who, who follows that up with a, a nice bit of fashion? Who's the most fly? Oh, that's tough. We're all in GB gear right now, but uh, I think Ashley Hammond actually has got good dress sense. Oh, yeah, we know Ash. He got, you know, he got the glasses on. <laughs> Who's the funniest? I would have said, oh, I can't even think. <laughs> None of our guys are funny. <laughs> we got it. Well, yeah, yeah, we got them in the hot seat. I'd say me. I'm, 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 I'm the funniest on the team. Forget it. Ah, there, there you go. go. He's taking, he's taking it. He's done, <laughs> he's done a mic tuck on us. Biggest, biggest <laughs> trash talker. Oh, during practice, me. <laughs> what about game? I saw Hamilton getting after it a little bit after that game. During games, I'd say probably B Mark Ben Markford. Yep, yeah, that's true. With that. <laughs> <laughs> Who is most likely to become a coach? Oh, uh, Dan Clark. Good answer, yeah. Good. Nice jump shot. Nice jump shot, Ben Knockwood. Who got the most hops? Probably used to be me. Uh, Kareem. Kareem, got some bounce. Yeah. This is a tough question. It's you know, it's COVID, there's lockdown around. Best hair? Best hair? Probably D-Lo. Have you seen his curls lately? Man, I seen that last night before he <laughs> had some jerry curl juice on that boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was shining through the TV yeah. screen. <laughs> I <don't know> something. <laughs> and finally, who's the fan favorite? Who's the, obviously there's no fans now, but I mean, who could you envision the fans kind of getting behind off this current team? Uh... I don't know, man. I think probably D'Lo. Like, he plays with a lot of energy, man. I know a lot of fans like that. Like, if they don't know a lot about basketball, they, they can just see the energy that he gives him and, yeah, him and Tariq. He plays with a lot of heart, that's for sure. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot of fans are, are on that cam hype right now as well, aren't they, with the, with the announcements of Wake Forest and everything else like that. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, but, sure. um, Hey, listen, I know, I know you're a busy guy and I know you've got some, some preparation yourself, so we'll, we will let you get on. We're always so appreciative of your time. You know, thanks very much. Good luck tomorrow. 
uh, we'll be all be watching and supporting you all to the max. And uh, we'll speak to you soon, Miles. Thanks very much, man. I appreciate it. No doubt. We appreciate you, my man. Take care. Right. Thanks, Thanks, man. Be safe. Okay, Drew, it's time for Player of the Week. We're going to do something a little bit different right here. I am going to present three candidates, and those three candidates are going to be voted for by the fans. So tomorrow morning, we will put that to a vote to find our Player of the Week. Uh, first person I am going to pick from the first matchup of the Giants versus Rocks, Breon Brady came through with 20 points, 10 rebounds, one block, and it's 29 index. Impressive game for the youngster. We then moved to the exciting, dynamic Eagles backcourt. It was so difficult to separate these two guys. Cortez Edwards, 18 points on 8 of 12 from the field. Think about that for a second. 11 rebounds in his position. Think about that for a moment. Two assists, two steals, 26 index. Sounds like I'm really pushing for him, but it's you guys' choice. And then Ramon Fletcher with 24 points, nine of 13, two rebounds, six assists, and a 25 index. We leave it to you guys. Say no more, and let's move on. Two. Our season predictions. Okay, Drew, any regrets? So is there anything that you have seen during this cup competition that makes you think, and let's, let's pause for a second, we're not going to be changing these picks. We're just discussing the picks. It, it was difficult for us because very early doors, saw no games, et cetera, et cetera. We picked with... Andrew Thompson, what do you think about any teams that could make a run and any teams that you think could be a bust? Oh, yeah. Well, I think the team that – I'll start with the team that I think can make a run. And I've been very impressed with the Worcester Wolves. Um, You were really high on them in the preseason predictions. I wasn't because of the loss of their big fella and Cortez Edwards. But, I mean, without four Americans, they have been – playing some really great basketball and you know like you just talked about like they could easily be 2-0 and over the weekend I just think if once you insert four strong Americans like how can they not be good I think the only you know the only question will be will will it be the right Americans mm-hmm. but if Matt Newby gets that right I could see them going on a on a run and being a little bit higher than what I predicted And as I switch my focus to the team that I think will finish a little bit lower than what I expected, I mean, it's no secret. I got to go with the Soy Scorchers. And I just think it's for all the reasons that I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, what I mentioned tonight, it's something that I don't see being easily fixed. Definitely think they need to bring in a pure point guard with that push cash out to the two position. You move. Lavelle Cook to the three, Muteo to the four, and then you start the big fella at the five. And I would bring White and Martel McLemore off the bench. And even Ryan Richards, I would bring him off the bench as well. Mm-hmm. And I think we might be having a different conversation here. But right now, it's not even about, you know, I was really focused on their, their body language yesterday. And they reminded me of the London Lions of a couple of weeks ago. It just, something just seemed off. It didn't seem right there. Creon was clearly frustrated in his post-game presser. 
So I'm a little bit worried, and I think they may finish a little bit lower than what I predicted because I was really high on them. I kept putting the pressure on them, saying, this is the year. This has to be the year. Lavelle Cook came on here, and I said, this has to be the year. But I don't know. Yeah, I think when I look at these predictions, I'm not pushing the panic button on anything that I'm looking at at the minute. I think it's pretty clear cut for me at the top. I don't put any order to this at the minute, but I look at um, you guys, I'm looking at the riders, and I think that London is starting to figure those things out. And then also, is Mullins going to come into this equation anywhere? You know, that's another interesting situation. We haven't seen enough of Parker yet to see whether he's going to bring anything special to the mix there as well. Worcester, Worcester is an open conversation because, like you said, imports could come in and give them the lift and they're already playing great basketball and slide right in there and it could go great. It could also spoil the broth, so we're, we're going to have to see there. But I think that if those imports come in, and I think Coach Newby's a great recruit, he knows what he's looking for, and they keep NBA happy, Good point. then I could see them leapfrogging Plymouth. Mm. So I think that will be interesting. The only thing that concerns me about Plymouth is that I think they look really great when Andrew Lawrence comes back. They're, they're going to look a bit better but they look like they're maybe playing a slower place game compared to those guys that the front runners, the guys that they're chasing, are going to come in and really play that pace and space. So it will be interesting. It could work. It might not. I I think it it may be a little bit old school in, in that way of thinking. Anything else below, anything could happen. You know, anything else below, like you said, I'm concerned about Surrey right now with for all the same reasons. Um, the body language, especially Lavelle Cook, looks. Do I even arguably say looks low on confidence, which he is which is quite strange. But he, he does look frustrated. You know, maybe just at himself feels like he can perform better. And I think, like you, there needs to be a rejig of that order of of how that roster is looking. But I just think that there's room for movement in a few of those teams. So you look at Glasgow, like now that we've secured money secured the finances will they be tempted to add a couple of import players in in january and then that could make things really really interesting have sheffield solve the problem with just one change do they need to make some more literally anything can happen there so i'm not too precious there i think the only thing that maybe could just change is just flip-flop worcester and plymouth maybe a little bit but again what i will say is plymouth still have wriggle room as well. So if those Turkish owners are getting a little bit excited and, and it looks like there's going to be some silverware added, then they might spend. And so far, they brought in some great players. So, um, yeah, I think predictions, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think there's anything too crazy that I change. So I'm pretty happy. Let's move over to the previews. So games coming up, if we run through them, and Drew, please, you know, if you need to if you need to pause at any point to have a conversation about each one, but we're going to choose our winners through there. So Worcester, Bristol, last remaining cup game. What do you think? Bristol has to win this game by six to get through, and I think they win this game pretty easily and they get through because Worcester's going to be feeling the pressure, and Worcester's 
pretty much man down. If Jordan Williams don't come back, it doesn't look good. And we saw that NBA can't carry the team for a whole 40 minutes. So I'm going with Bristol with the big win. Yeah. Um, man, I was hoping you were going to pick Worcester there. I'm usually the, the, the big Worcester fan. But yeah, they're totally banged up. Probably far too short to get import players in and signed, ready to go. And, you know, they have a big front court, big physical front court that I think can subdue NBA in his role. So, yes, I think Bristol do this. I think they get over the line and also the Teddy effect as well. You know, he's going to be coming off of a, a real GB high. And and also, one thing you've got to factor in is Coach Kapoulos was with that GB team. It gives them a little bit more time to forge that relationship. And if there's any relationship you need to be strong on the floor, it's with the floor general. Oh Okay, Sheffield Cheshire, one of our games of the week. Sky Sports, baby. Let's hype this one up. Let's Be go. Up. Let's go. First debut game on Sky Sports after a 20-year absence. And this game is going to be very intriguing because you got two teams who basically are going to be starting fresh. Sheffield is going to be introducing their new point guard. Cheshire is going to be introducing their guys who's been out for COVID reasons over the last couple of weeks. And so um, I see this game as a toss-up, but you can catch your boy on the pregame and halftime show, so I will be there. <laughs> so make sure you guys tune in. So if anything, if the game isn't good, I'll make sure that myself along with the other guys, Kieran Achara and the crew, will be no looking notes. a little bit dapper. But – Getting my focus back to this game, you know, this is a toss-up game, but I have to go with Sheffield just from the experience. Their team have had a little bit more time with each other. So I'm going to go with them edging out on a neutral floor. Remember that this game is in Newcastle. So, you know, I'm going to go with Sheffield in a close game. Interesting. I think this is where I, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a punt on the Cheshire Phoenix. And here mm -hmm. is my thinking. I think Coach Thomas is going to have been fuming with this start. You know, it's, he's been frustrated with players. He's been frustrated with COVID. Now, I think they, those guys can start to settle in. They've got an exciting backcourt that I think can go at any minute. So I think McCord Jr. is going to want to prove himself. Ross is saying all the right things. I think they come into this one. They know it's Sky Sports. They're showing out on national television. I think they're going to take the win. Huge. Okay, Eagles versus Lions. Also, another focus for us at Game of the Week. Also, another Sky Sports presentation. What are you thinking here, Drew? Do I even need to ask? I mean, of course I'm going to go with the Eagles, but I'm not going to lie. This is going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a lot different from the last game because we get Rex back, which he didn't feature in the game a week ago, obviously for a concussion protocol, which will move Louis Sayers back to the bench, which will bolster our bench for this game. And then also I'm looking for us to bounce back. So we'll be a little bit more focused in the film room. Uh, a little bit more focused to detail going into this game. But then on the London side, I think you can look at this two ways. They've had a little bit of a break here. So does that stop the momentum or does it give them a little bit more time to tighten up the areas in which they were weak in? But regardless, I think you're going to get a great show. You're going to get Justin Robinson versus Vermont Fletcher. 
this is going to be a great game from top to bottom. But you know what I'm going with. My Eagles, baby. <laughs> Your Eagles. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to be the controversial person. I'm going to go with the Lions. I am going to be looking for them to hopefully have fixed the issues they had early on. They had great form. If anything's going to hold them back, maybe they've had to sit out. They're not playing for a little while. But then again, that might be a good thing for those guys. Love the matchups. You know, you're talking about Robinson Fletcher. I'm going Liggins and Cortez Edwards right there as well. Mm. You've got Dark Williams going up against Rex. Great matchups all around the court. It's hard for me to bet against you guys. You know, I just think arguably they've got the best backcourt in the league, the most efficient backcourt in the league for sure. But I'm going with the Lions on this one to get the dub on TV. Okay, Worcester versus Plymouth. Easy. I mean, I see Worcester still being banged up, and I see Plymouth taking this easily. Same. Plymouth, get Hamilton back. Confidence of stealing the Snorefest this weekend. Sorry, guys, but it was tough. And like you said, Worcester just, they're too banged up at this point. Coach Newby's getting the most out of some guys that arguably maybe shouldn't even be in the league. He's already doing his best. Bristol, Manchester. Yeah, I'm going to go with Bristol in this one just because I don't think, um, man, you know, this would be the real test for Manchester as they come out that group and start playing the rest of the league. And I just don't know if they'll be ready for it. So I'm going to go with Bristol. They're going to be playing in that small gym down there. You know, and I'll be interested to see how they adapt, but I see Bristol taking this game. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nah, I'm, I'm playing safe on this one. I think I'm going <laughs> Bristol too. Yeah, I think it's difficult. You've got a well-oiled machine there, and I think that Manchester has still got the kinks to work through. You know, they're still going to be trying to find their feet with the refs you know that's obviously a big problem for them at the minute and then they have to understand as well how to work these referees as well you know being aggressive and in your face and being brash is is not the way that you're going to handle this league and these referees so I, I still think that they've got some struggles in them and there's some big physical lads down there in the southwest of Bristol so I think Bristol take the win Drew, I believe you have a player for us. Yes, let's head out to Leicester where we have Peter Simmons sit down with Jamel Anderson ahead of the Riders' championship debut against the Surrey Scorchers. Yeah, really looking forward to the first game of the season. Um, the guys have come together really well. Uh, we've been practicing a lot, making sure that we get better every day. Uh, Surrey are a tough team. They've brought players back from last year, um, so they're already going to have that team cohesion. Um, and they're very well coached by Creon, so it'll be a tough game, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. You heard it right there from one of the best defenders in the BBL, and I'm thinking that the Leicester Riders get a thumping on the Sword Scorchers and say welcome to the group of death and welcome to the BBL championship. You better hurry up and get it together because we're not going to feel sorry for you. So I'll take Riders in a big thumping. Even though they're on the road, this game is in Surrey. Yeah, such a tough game, I think, for Surrey to have to face. Like you said, you, you listen to Coach Creon, he's still, not, he's still not happy. And 
You know, I think that Leicester will be hungry, ready to go. You know what Coach Robin's like. They'll want a good start, even though Anthony Rowe did say to us anonymously they do have a slow start to the season. I see them jumping out in this one and taking down Surrey. Also, okay, Plymouth, Newcastle. Yeah, for us, this is a tough turnaround. This is arguably always one of the hardest games for us as we head down to the Southwest. We face London on Thursday. And then we head down to Plymouth on Saturday to face them in an early three o'clock game on Sunday. And, and, you know, looking at this from a, a team perspective, you would be happy as both of these teams are predicted to be top four. I mean, we would be happy to come out of this game one and one, but with it being a beginning of the season, uh, we have to set the tone on the championship. And, you know, if we want to be the champions this year, we got to come out of this two and oh, but obviously I'm going to go with the Eagles, but you know, I think coming out of this stretch one and one, you as Newcastle Eagles fan, you got to be content. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm Raiders till I die, so I, you know, I'm going to go with Plymouth, you know, pretty much every time. But this game does concern me because if it does go the way of the London Lions the night before, I do not like the prospect of a wounded Eagles team coming down with the pace that I'm anticipating is going to be a struggle for Plymouth all year. I think that that is going to be their Achilles heel is, is not being able to put enough runs together to keep pace with the likes of yourself and the Riders and the Lions. But I'm going for Plymouth to get this dub. Okay, Sheffield Surrey. I'm going to go with Surrey. I think they, uh, they bounce back after getting thumped by Riders on uh, Friday night, I believe it is. I think they look themselves in the mirror and they say, Okay, you know, everyone on their team, individual, they look at themselves in the mirror as individuals, and I think, okay, we got to sink a swim. And I, I think they put this together and get a great road victory against Sheffield. Okay, I'm going to pick Sheffield in this one. I think that um, Hemsley's going to get his first game, get his first understanding, and then come into this one and, 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 and be feeling a little bit more. And those guys were feeling a bit more together. So I, I see them getting the dub. I think both of those teams are, are going to be at their backs against the wall early in the season. So it's going to be whoever can kind of figure that out and get out of that funk quickest. Okay, Cheshire versus Bristol. Yeah, this was a tough one for me. Um, you know, I think this is a toss-up game and it can go either way. But, mm, you know, give me Bristol. And the only reason why I'm going with Bristol because I'm coming, I'm thinking Okafor comes off feeling really good with confidence and, um, you know, bringing some of that good vibes from France. He brings that back to Bristol and they, they pull off a good, a, a good win against Cheshire. Yeah, I think um, it, this is a difficult one to call because I think if they do the business like we think they're going to do in that cup game, that's going to be a feel-good factor. They're still in the cup. They're feeling good. Cheshire, I've got them winning the Sky Sports game. So there's another reason to be feeling yourself. So I think both these teams will come in feeling pretty good. I think I'm going to go with Cheshire in this one just because I think that, again, if they can get their pace and space game going and get that running game going, we know that Bristol's going to be trying to drag you down into those low scores. It's going to be a, a, a contrast conflict and I'm going to pick Cheshire for this one Manchester Glasgow here's a tough pick right here yeah but not so tough I don't think I mean there's no way that coach Danny Byrne is there he I'm pretty sure he gave them a bullock in there in the locker room after this game and <laughs> and I think they turned this around they're going back home they've seen Glasgow twice and uh, but this is the league now and I think 
Manchester uh, puts it back right and they get the victory over Glasgow. Yeah, I, I can't see it going any other way. I, I think I'm going to go with Manchester as well. And that one, Riders Sharks, last remaining cup game, last time we get to say the group of death. Yeah, I mean, you know, both of these teams, uh, Sheffield are eliminated, so they don't have anything to play for in that sense. But they do as they got to get this new guard acclimated. So they got to be, you know, try to build some rhythm going into the championship against a quality opponent. So I don't, I think they take this game serious. And on the writers' part, if they lose, obviously they fall to two, they still get a home draw. But even from their perspective, like they got to try to insert Ali Frazier and build rhythm with him. So I don't think they, you know, take this game lightly as well. And at the end of the day, like, even when there's games that doesn't really mean much per se, it's that mental thing, right? It's, the, it's those positive vibes and, and it, there's nothing like winning. So I think writers take this game easily at home and wrap up the number one seed in the group of death. Yeah, I'm going to go with writers as well, just because I look at the two coaches and I think of, uh, of anyone that will be overly competitive in, in that situation, it will be Coach Rob. I think he'll have his guys right and ready and, and be talking to them about the importance of, of rhythm, the importance of winning. So I see him taking that game. You know, it's no great shakes. If they lose, I don't, I don't think if you were asking to choose between the two teams, you'd take either. You know, like going into the next round, I don't think that that's going to play a huge part in it. But I just think Coach Rob is, you know, he, he'll want to beat you at came game of tiddlywinks you know he's he, he's just that competitive so um i'm going with the riders so that's a wrap episode 12 let us know your predictions for league play i really am interested to get your guys's thoughts we are always keen to hear from you the fans reach out to us on all forms of bbl socials using the hashtag the bbl show Drew, lead us out on this one. Sky Sports, Sky Sports, Sky Sports. Tell a friend, a tell a friend, a tell a friend. Tune in and let's use this moment. I know there's a lot of people out there in the Twitterverse that just has a lot of constructive criticism about everything that happens in a British basketball league. But let's take this moment to celebrate such a monumental moment in our league. And then once that dies down, then you guys can come on Twitter and you can provide me with constructive criticism of the way I dress or the way I present or how annoying I am. It's all good. I'm tough skin, but let's celebrate this moment and let's all tune in until next time. The show, the show, baby. Good luck, Drew. You're going to be great. Thanks for listening to the BBO show. The BBO show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time.